With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I said what you know about it. It's the stool, baby. Got the knees and plus. Yeah, it's the stool, baby. And the room a lot. You're listening to The Stew. My name is Jason Stewart, and this is my food podcast. Uh, as always, say hello, Chris Chang. Hi. <laughs> our, uh, Hi. Our, our beloved co-host here. Um, we have one guest today who is a chef here in Los Angeles named Josh Pressman. Say hello. Hi. Josh is, uh, you've been cooking around town for how long? Uh, not very long. Actually, almost one year to be exact professionally <laughs> what do you mean i know it's it sounds weird professionally professionally it's a weird it's a weird term it's a quotation i didn't know so, that I yeah thought... uh it, it i've been cooking for a long time at home which is okay. sort of i i guess uh the the start of the story which is mm-hmm. that i didn't i didn't want to join a professional kitchen uh for the longest Same. time same. Okay, well, we're going to get into this. Yeah. Because I feel like I'm going through the same thing right now. I, I can understand that. I've heard <laughs> stories through the grapevine about you. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I, I think we uh, maybe are of the same cloth. Okay, what's, what degree. stories have you heard? Well, that, that you spent some time at Forage. Yeah. Um, and that it, it sort of seemed like, to me, maybe that... That was your, you're reluctant to do it, but you sort of have to, and you're telling, you know, it's that back and forth. I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't, well, yeah, there's a restaurant here called Forage, and we, I, uh, I befriended the, the chef there, who's, who's a good friend of ours named Kat, and she was nice enough to take me under the wing and kind of show me the ropes of a professional kitchen and let me work on the line for a bunch of services. And I also worked, um, a little bit at another restaurant that my brother used to manage. It's like a it, it doesn't have a name on Fairfax across from Animal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's that's uh, that's the Escuela guy, I think, or I thought it was. I don't know. I, don't know. I thought he used to cook at Escuela, he, but oh oh oh, maybe yeah. it might be. It might yeah. be. Um, that that was I worked there first, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the we're gonna put you through the ringer. The chef guy there, um, super nice guy, and and I, I get along with him very well. But he was kind of like he didn't know anything about me, whereas Cat knew a lot about me, and like we like followed each other on Instagram, and she saw me cooking food, and she knew that I knew some stuff. Right. But this guy, um, <clears throat> he was just like, oh, you want to cook? You don't want to fucking work in the kitchen, bro. Oh, and, and he like kind of he put me through the ringer right. of, as if I was like an 18-year-old kid who, you know, just walked in off the street and said, I want an internship 
where do I start square one? Salad dressings, go. Yeah. No, no, no. Not even that. Like, really? like Isn't it before eggs you do salad dressings? I, I spent a week picking <laughs> yeah. cilantro leaves off the stems. Absolutely. How'd yeah. you do? Not I mean, that well, apparently, because you're on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I did as, as well as you could. I mean, it's just, you know, like you go through that laborious, mind-nubbing labor of like, hey, you're going to be here for six hours and you're going to, here's... Here's a case of cilantro. Yep. Take all the leaves off the stems. And then when you're done, come find me. You made me do that with parsley once. And I'll have you. <laughs> I did. You I did. did. Um, but, you know, that, w- that was kind of the thing. And then, like, I would try to talk to him and be like, hey, can- I know how to do other stuff. Can I, like, maybe do other stuff? And he'd be like, all right, now you can peel garlic. Wa- wash chickens. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, like, here's a case of chickens. Uh, break them down. Yeah. And that, that wasn't that bad. You get to at least use a knife. Um, but, but Kat at Forage was nice enough to help. She would just be like, here's the menu. I'll show you how to cook everything once and just go for it. So that was more of like a mentorship situation. That was more of a mentorship. She totally just let me go for it and I would work full service. Go Forage? On the grill. <laughs> I went go Forage <laughs> go and forage. I, you know, I learned how to do stuff. I wasn't as fast as everybody else, but I felt like if I worked there for a few months and got it down, I could, I could get, get into the flow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as long, you know, anybody. Best and worst experiences. Mm. I remember you hurt your wrist. You hurt your wrist? Yeah, because he doesn't know how to whisk. <laughs> oh, oh uh, yeah. Yeah, uh. the very first time, I do, I do know how to whisk. <laughs> but the very the very first thing I worked with her was a, a private off-site gig mm-hmm. where it was uh, it was like an art show that the, that they were kind of catering. And there was an outdoor kitchen set up. It was in Santa Monica. It was kind of cold. And I was like in a parking lot with a tent over me. And I was making... You didn't stretch your forearm. I was making vinaigrettes. <laughs> and it was kind of like, you know, make enough lemon, ginger, or lemon garlic vinaigrette for however many hundreds of people. Right. Here's a giant bowl. Here's a whisk that's two feet long. <laughs> Here's how to make it. And it's just kind of cold. And then I'm just whisking and whisking and whisking. And then, you know, I feel like I, I like, I did some like weird muscle. Pulled ten- something. Like a, like a, one of my tendons, like kind of like moved over the other one and got like inflamed and mm. all that stuff. You know, it's all part of being in the kitchen. Chat. It- <laughs> Huh? How old are you now? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's a part of. Um, you know, it, it was a good learning experience. And uh, and then when I did my pop-up, she she was nice enough to come help out. And when it turned from a uh, a fun pop-up to not fun anymore, getting <laughs> slammed, you know, 300 people came right. to it. Yeah, I was there. It was it was a nightmare. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was a full. Yeah, Cat was star player that day. You were Cat. Oh, Cat was yes, yes. Why would I say that? Uh, no, I'm I, modest. <laughs> yeah, like I, about right? about a half an hour into it, I had I had stayed up the whole night before prepping. No sleep, just full. Just one full night of prep. Full night of prep, you know, and like not realizing. You know, I thought I had it all worked out, and mm. I, I explained how, to everyone how each dish was going to get made, and everything was fine until we got hit with a hundred people in line waiting to get food, and then Cat was just well, like, "All right, I'm taking gravity. over now," and right. she had the presence of mind and the experience to be like in charge, sort of. Yeah, and she just delegated everyone to do their things. Mm. She took over on 
on on the uh, the hard stuff and and worked it all out and we sort of made it through. <laughs> I, I, it was. I mean, I was there for a while. It, it was it was great. Why didn't you help? Do you not like us? Uh, I yeah. Well, no. every, everybody <laughs> just kidding. Everybody I actually, was, I had to go to work. So <laughs> everybody was there for a long while while it <laughs> while it took a long time for the food. I was to on come eggs. Out. You were on egg station. And swearing a <laughs> <laughs> Cracking eggs or I learned cooking the eggs, eggs and swear words. I, I learned, yeah, we, we, a lot of my dishes were much more easy to execute uh, in a, in a home a kitchen. Right. Cooking for your girlfriend on a Saturday brunch instead of, you know, all, all the dishes had to be compromised and simplified. And sure. everything that I wanted to do had to be rushed out. And that that's sort of the shitty thing uh, that you concede when you join a professional kitchen. It's that, yeah, yeah, the recipes, uh, like cooking at home and cooking in the professional kitchen, is very different. Mm-hmm. Two different worlds. Yeah, I learned that one the hard way. So, <laughs> but I I also learned, like, you know, so many things in one day of service. Like you have, you know, you have to just as much make food that you think is good, as much as you're making food that can be quickly executed. Right. And some of that, and the real the real rub is, can you do both of those well? Yeah, and sometimes you can't. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you can't. what you have in your head uh, is not possible. Yeah, it's just frustrating. Well, so do you? What do you sacrifice first? Would you rather take an hour <laughs> to get some guy like the best possible version of something, or do you take the five minutes to give him like you know sixty seventy percenter? Right. Well, uh, I guess it depends how good your sixty or seventy percenter is, but also like what kind of establishment do you want to run? Yeah, it really Ooh. depends on the place. If you're <laughs> uh, if you're at a, a restaurant where you expect to do a yeah, like three if you're hour turkey tasting, sandwiches, yeah, seventy percent and a hundred percent is going to be pretty close. Seventy percent is is a hundred percent turkey sandwich. Shots fired, <laughs> big turkey. If you're listening, Josh Pressman over here. Did you say big turkey. Yeah, big turkey. <laughs> we don't want to get those guys breathing down our necks. No, those guys. Are well, <laughs> ringing down our necks. Let's 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 kind of uh, briskly walk through your 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 professional cooking career then. Sure. Yeah. Since it's brief, anyways. I didn't know it was a year. I well, just assumed it was longer. Yeah, um, because of your your quality of product. Thank you. I I I, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, for listeners at home, that is the noise Jason's face makes <laughs> underneath. Josh. When I compliment somebody, <laughs> and I'm particularly bad at taking compliments, as I've learned uh, over yeah, this it was, last it was from year. A, it was from a man to a man. It, I was. I'm not trying to blow smoke up a, a lady's ass. Josh, you're beautiful. Like <laughs> Thank you're you. welcome, <laughs> Jason. Meh. I don't have to say these nice things. <laughs> All right, so yeah, go for it. Um, I. It's a weird story. I've always been around food. I was working in the front of house um, for five or six years, doing different things, waiting tables, running food, expediting. And and is that here in L.A.? Yeah. Um, what I restaurants? Started at Rivera in downtown uh, with John Sedler as the chef. Um, it's on Flower across the street from the Staples Center. Mm-hmm. It's sort of fine dining Latino cuisine. Mm-hmm. Um, fine dining? Yeah. Fine dining. <laughs> fine dining establishment. It was a good learning experience. It got me excited uh, about w- working in restaurants. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that led to me expediting more, which is a middle-of-the-house position, as I call it. Mm-hmm. It's sort of... You're, yeah, yeah. you're a liaison between the front and the back. Yep. Um, 
And uh, that's what my uh, that's what my girlfriend did at our pop up. Yeah, it's it's uh that's a tremendous role because it's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, you have to be very organized. You if you're do. good at if if you take joy in Excel spreadsheets, you might be good at expediting. You you might be, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh it's it it sort of got me uh it got me more curious about food. I guess I was more interested in uh in what was going on in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so You're then I smell the smells. Yeah, smelling the smells, wondering, seeing the fire, wondering why people are doing things with hearing the Spanish product. Yeah, <laughs> mostly the Spanish. <laughs> I big connection with the dishwashers. Yeah, which good. Which is important. Absolutely, you, you got to take care of your dishwashers. Mm-hmm. Um, the back, but the backbone of of the kitchen. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so, but uh, I did that for a while. And then I started cooking at home. It was sort of a natural thing. I just started messing around with food. Um, it it grew from my curiosity. And mm-hmm. um, I did that for a while, and I was taking pictures of it, and I was posting it on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, you don't know what I'm talking just about. <laughs> I, yeah. Welcome to my I, horrible I, life. I know. <laughs> Pictures of food. Pictures of <laughs> pictures of food on the internet. On the internet. <laughs> they exist. You guys are clowns. Interesting. <laughs> Sometimes I find myself on Instagram and like in line for coffee in the morning, and I uh, I realize that my whole feed, if someone's peering over my shoulder, is just a bunch of food porn, <laughs> and I feel for just a like a fleeting moment, like the biggest fucking dork ever it could be a lot worse yeah, it could I've be a lot a, worse i've got a bunch of like eastern block girls <laughs> so I mean, it could I gotta, be a lot of i have uh, to like hide in a corner yeah, when i'm looking at my feet it could be a lot of eastern european girls uh doing squats i uh, think i think the uh, but the the obsession the obsessiveness uh the either way you know whether you're a pervert or you're like this <laughs> you're, you're or into, whether you're me <laughs> josh you perv whether you're a horrible korean pervert <laughs> yeah josh or you're into food <laughs> you're the one who said you're hiding in the corner <laughs> whatever <laughs> but um yeah so when you're in line for coffee <laughs> enough about me. yeah um too too much food on on the internet, but uh, it's okay because you're not fat and like slovenly looking. Yeah, I, I I guess I'm not I'm not sure because I'll I'll get like I'll get to something a little bit later. But it's like this reluctance to join the kitchen thing. I I didn't want to share these pictures on the internet. I was private on Instagram and I was taking photos of my food that I was cooking, and it was just for my friends and people who knew me, and I was just sharing it with them. Yeah, see what I'm up to. Yeah, and and uh, and then my girlfriend and my friends convinced me to to go public on Instagram, which is a weird. That's a weird that thing must have to been say. Big for you, it was big. It was a big day. <laughs> um, Coming out of yeah, the two two years to this day. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I, I did that, and it it um sort of it opened some doors in a weird way. It's, it's just, not a, not a weird way. Well, I mean, it's just like it's the internet, man. Yeah, it's the internet, and sometimes when you put something out on the internet, it, it legitimizes like whatever it is that you're doing, which is uh, uh an interesting. Uh, that's why the internet is really cool. Yes. Also, it's very scary. I, think. It, it, I mean, <laughs> whatever. It, it's. I mean, it, it'll. It can totally open doors if you're if you're making a specific thing, be it food, or you are making cabinets or shoes or flower arrangements. Right. You put it on the internet. Enough people see it. You start. You know, the phone starts ringing. Absolutely. 
That's how the, that's how the game works. But but it didn't it didn't really work that way. It just mm-hmm. sort of garnered more attention and right. and it then I well I was following a chef that I really admired on the internet. He had just moved to LA and started a restaurant that uh was in Santa Monica called Rusty Canyon. Mm-hmm. He posted a picture of some sort of like lol cat meme thing with mm-hmm. uh looking for cooks over the front of it. So I I emailed him out of the blue. Really? And that's how I that's how I got a job at Rusty Canyon under Jeremy Fox. No shit. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. You hear I, that, kids? Well. <laughs> stay on the internet. Stay on the internet Quit for, school. for a long time. <laughs> Steal your grandmother's clothes. <laughs> so for those who don't know, Rusty Canyon is, uh, in the last year or two, has become a very popular foodie destination in L.A. because... Because Josh Pressman. <laughs> because Josh Pressman's peeling garlic in the back. Because uh, because because they acquired this chef and right. he, he kind of took over the whole menu and flipped it around and started doing lots of exciting new things and got a lot of press and people started talking about it and going there and and now it's 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 definitely a food mainstay and I I went there a few months ago and you know had some very you know. Some very interesting dishes, shit that I've never tasted in my life, and it was very awesome. Yeah, he's uh, he's uh, it takes a lot to get me out to Santa Monica. Yeah, it's it's way out there. It was free. <laughs> it was free. If I was Sorry drowning on Santa Monica, would you come out to Santa Monica? On if you were doing what in Santa Monica? Drowning on the beach. Of course Monica. I would. Okay. Of course I would. <laughs> I don't know. I have to gauge it. Uh, it depends on the, pretty, the what time of day it is with traffic and everything. You yeah. know what I mean? But like, yeah, like what if I'm dead ten, by the time you get there? <laughs> if you're drowning at a... Uh, like 2 p.m., I'm, I'm done for. 10 in the morning on a Thursday. 10 in the morning on a Thursday. That's a That's, tough one. You no, know, everyone's at work by then. Come on, you don't love me? It, it's it's sort of brutal. You never know. I mean, yeah, he knows more than anyone. It's pretty bad. So, so you this went... This will be my last <laughs> podcast for the <laughs> listeners at home. Yeah, well... I don't think anyone's afraid of you. Uh, Josh, the more about you and Rusty Canyon. <laughs> no, no one, no one's afraid of you. You don't, you don't go to the beach enough for everyone to oh, be worried about you drowning. I go to the beach. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, you're a real surf rat, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> um, so you, you emailed him and you're like, hey, hey, me, I, me want cook, yeah, and he said, yeah. come in. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was like, here, I I cook food at home, mm-hmm. and this is you may have seen me on yeah. Instagram. <laughs> I mean, I I try my best not to mm-hmm. not to come across as as that, but but uh, he had, as it turned out, r- recognized me from Instagram, mm. uh, which wouldn't have happened if I hadn't gone public. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, also, uh, I think he was well. He he had me come in. I interviewed. Um, we talked about f- food for a tiny bit, and he explained to me the situation in the kitchen and wanted to bring me on so long as I could handle a station mm-hmm. um, because I had no prior experience doing so. So and I, you're like, what the fuck is a station? Yeah, what's a station? <laughs> what do I do? I'm, uh, I mean, I, I shaved radishes for four hours. Mm-hmm. The, awesome. the, the first baby radishes. Like no, 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 no. I'm talking about shaving the hairs off of the radishes. Oh, uh, yes. Um, we had we had a dish coming off of uh, uh, of one of our stations that had just a pile of radishes and some sort of like seaweed aioli, and um, 
uh, we had to shave all the hairs off of. So the you radishes. you would serve the radishes with a little bit of the stem on, right? So when you do that, you o- have to only only like one perfect perfect leaf, yes. or two. Uh, okay, you 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 would prune all the nasty ones off. So the little the little area where where the stem meets the radish or the right. carrot or whatever other root ish vegetable can get a little brown and kind of dirty and nasty so you go in with clean a paring knife yeah and kind of whoop, 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 clean it up yeah you'll, you'll start at oh this is bad that's a good that's a good start. intro job to oh I mean, yeah your ass will learn how to shave a radish real quick oh man i shaved i shaved a lot of things in my <laughs> first year at, same <laughs> my first year at a professional occasion yeah. uh hairy guy <laughs> hairy yeah, guy yeah, I mean. <laughs> Sounds like a rad dish, anyways. I, I, oh God. <laughs> I never knew you could shave so many things, actually, <laughs> I, including citrus, which is is a scary thing. When, when you're when you're working at Rustic Canyon, which has a lot of fresh vegetables from the farmers market, and you're kind of serving them in the rustic form, right? Your, your ass is going to get the shaving. Oh yeah. Well, what 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 do you mean shaving citrus? Um, so you peel all of the rind off of uh, any piece of citrus and okay. it's uh covered in pith you can actually take a uh and this is one of jeremy fox's favorite tools okay uh, a, a bird's beak which is a type of paring knife that's curled maybe you've seen it yes and and you can you can take that and very lightly Shave all the pith off of each segment. <laughs> oh no! And yeah, so so with clementines or tangerines or a certain citruses that you know you would want to serve uh, as like as little segments, not sort of supremed, which is yeah. to cut the you know the fruit out of the whole thing. Put them into the little no, segments. Like right. The French, like not su- su- supreme. Yes. Supreme. Supreme. My French is actually really bad. But, but uh, yeah, if you wanted to do that, you would have to shave all the pith off that way. So you, so you would, you would take the, the rind off of a tangerine. Uh, yeah, tangerine. You take all the segments. And you, all the part. little, all the little white bits. You oh, go yeah. in with, with a yeah. knife. Yep. I'm, I'm explaining it for our <laughs> listeners who may not know. China. Yeah. The white part is the pith. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so you'll go in with a knife and and get all of that little pith off to the point where it's an immaculate yeah it, piece it, of fruit. You you no longer see white white pith residue. Damn. It, I mean, so th- those are the things that you have to do to separate yourself from yeah. uh, from the Mimi cafes of the world. You so you're saying that you take a clementine and then you you pith it off. You pith it off. <laughs> God, and se- seven seven pieces of pithless uh, orange segments or whatever will be in a salad. Aren't I great? <laughs> You're great. Wait, seven pieces of segments. Meaning like that's salad. how many pieces are in in a salad. So in your specific salad. Yeah. So you you maybe have to uh, you know your your meals for the night on a busy night would be like you know sixty seventy five pieces of orange maybe a hundred. Wait, so citrus fruits aren't symmetrical? We have seven segments? No, you're no, saying no, seven, seven per just salad. Just seven per salad. Oh, okay. You know, to, to give you some indication as to like how much uh, man hour is in one, in s- one simple single mixed salad. salad with fruit in it. Woo! Yeah. Well, working, working at Rustic Canyon, how many dishes are on the menu that you have had a 
influence in? Or I don't know if you've had a full dish that you've created. Yeah, there, square square one zero yeah. to a hundred soup to nuts. There, there there wasn't. I mean, there's there have been some collabos. Um, you know, well, thank you for putting it in streetwear terms yeah, that I can understand. There, <laughs> he looked really thrilled when you said yeah, that. He was, I think I used that properly. That was, uh, well done, well done. There have been a couple of collabos. I'm listening. But uh, Pressman X Fox, <laughs> that would be the streetwear. Pressman word. X Fox hashtag Pressman X Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, never my own dishes necessarily entirely. Um, okay, which which collabo with with Fox? Has uh, has garnered the most uh, excitement or buzz or feedback? Uh, I, there, there, there. I mean, there were were always the thing is in his kitchen. There's it's always a collaborative effort, which is not like to cop out and just say some contrived thing because, mm-hmm. uh, like the a, a dish is always evolving. You're always trying to make it the best that it possibly can. You make it, it better. Yeah, absolutely. Which is great. Um, but, but we did have a salad at one point in time, a long time ago, maybe seven or eight months ago. And it was his pickled smelts, which are a little baby fish mm-hmm. pickled like, like Jew style with lots of dill and Whoa. caraway and God knows what else. Yeah. Jewish stuff. He's Jewish. You can say I'm that. Jewish, I can oh, say true. that. Uh, uh, we cannot. And, and, and some, uh, orange and, um, I like how you're referring to the salad as if it's very commonplace. Like, it's a standard salad. It was some pickled smelt. It was the furthest thing from standard. (laughs) Okay, so pickled smelt. Yeah, pickled smelt. So whole little baby fish that are pickled. And shaved carrots. Jewish style with dill. Yeah, Jewish style with like, uh, yeah, with dill and like a a rye uh, vinaigrette. Sort of situation. It's jewer by yeah, it's just it's just oh, it's just Jewy. Okay, the whole thing's Jewy. Okay, so so that I mean that was on for literally. Okay, what el- what else is in the salad though? Uh, so orange, uh, chrysanthemum, which is you super know Jewy. super not Jewy, <laughs> <laughs> but but it 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 worked. It sort of tasted like carrots, and it had shaved carrots in it, and it was a it was a nice plate of food. It had a carrot crumble. We dehydrated some carrot pulp. Sick. Uh, yeah, it's it's that was like uh, that's a technique that he he uses that's all the, the time. Exciting, I think I've been on this <laughs> that's good. De- dehydrators. <laughs> so so like good. you guys do a lot of fresh flavors so like i'm sure you have a juicer out and you're juicing vegetables all the time for things uh f- well f- one of our mainstays is a beet and berry salad and we juice beets all the time and mm. dehydrate the beet pulp so that's very smart of you to be like what what do we do with all the pulp well it's smart yeah i mean it's there smart of him. Really, there is there other than compost there isn't really shit you can do with the pulp no, no my my hippie intern when he lived a, at a co-op in college <laughs> can't wait to see what he happens said, with this. <laughs> he said they would juice and then because they're hippies they're yeah. dirty hippies who drink juice yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they you, would you got a fucking cold press every would, day you little bitch <laughs> whatever and then they would make like pancakes with the pulp oh like weird. put it in batter and then just fry it up so oh like that, i'm sure that's great vegetable like, pulp yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah interesting like carrot and like stuff carrot pulp and beet pulp pancakes. yeah with like simple like flour that's good because i've he- i've heard that question be asked before to knowledgeable credible people like i juice all the time i have all this pulp what do i do with it and everyone everyone seems to have the answer of just like all it took was a hippie compost right. i don't know like you can't do shit with it mixing in with pancake batter and making a healthy pancake is a that's, pretty dope idea that's br- bringing it uh you know seed seed the stock you're welcome mr fox seed the stock, seed the stock. 
Yeah, you can take that one if you want <laughs> for, a, for a little rustic brunch. Um, so, with what you were saying about how you know a dish is always evolving at like you know a finer restaurant, like if I go to Chipotle, like the chicken burrito is not going to get any better. Probably not. But um, but if I go to Rustic Canyon, would you say it's better to go at the start of a season when you know, or like you know, at, at, like let's say. I go when hmm. asparagus is, you know, at its prime stage. Right. But this dish with asparagus that you just That's a great sort question. of invented. So is it better to go when the asparagus is better or at the tail end when you think you've perfected the dish but the asparagus Whoa. maybe is Yeah, that's, that's, that's some tough. deep shit, dog. At right. Nagdance. <laughs> so the asparagus comes in. We're just getting the first asparagus of the season. Yeah, and you're like, this is where we could start using this. Yeah. That's when the asparagus is very tight and new and exciting. But then three months from then... Asparagus is going down. It's going to be a little less. But the flavorful. dish that you've been cooking asparagus with, you've been doing it for three months, and you have perfected it. Right. Do I come back next year? Damn. Well, and then next year you do, you run that recipe and you already have it locked in. Right. That's but good. is it better to go at the beginning of the asparagus season yeah. or the three months later when you've got the dish? I, honestly, Answer, Josh. Uh, uh, God sorry. Damn sorry. It. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, I think I think it's it uh, it doesn't matter that much, honestly. <laughs> it's not what you want to sure, hear. I'm sure. That, I'm sure that uh, it's. I, although it is a great question, I'm sure it differs from dish to dish. I'm sure, sure. you nail something the first time. I'm sure. I think with tomatoes and and certain things like you're, you're talking about beginning and, and end of seasons, like and strawberries, certain things that are like really like you can tell. Yeah, really volatile little things. Um, mm-hmm. You could tell. You you know, like end of the season tomatoes are still great, but they're not. They're not in they're their not prime. Sweet. They're kind yeah, they're they're getting a little mealy and and towards the watery side. So I, I mean, getting it, a little mealy. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that much. <laughs> well, um, earlier earlier today, I asked some on Twitter mm-hmm. some food questions, and I got a uh, if you have if if listeners at home have a question they'd like to be answered. And uh, I've, got a, I've got a couple. This is fun. Wait, okay, let's do I answer, and then Josh gives a real answer. <laughs> All right, go. All right. First question from uh, RJ. You two will work with food. What is the best way to steam food without a conventional steamer? Um, you put it in a microwave, <laughs> and then you pour water all over it. <laughs> oh, jeez. And then you set it and forget it. There you go. Set Josh, your turn. It. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> really killing it today, Easy guys. as that. Set it and forget it. Um, I'd say set it and forget it, but put it in a, an inch worth of water in a, in a pot and cover it. You're going to be steaming it. Okay. So same same thing. So Even if it's submerged, just put a little bit of water in there. A little bit of water. Do you keep it moving so it doesn't scorch the uh, bottom? I, ideally, but uh, at the same time, like you, you you want it to be you want it to be like you know medium heat. You're not you don't want it to be scorching. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's so steam. low heat. Put a put a finger of water in there. Yeah, make sure it's steaming and, and cover it, and you're gonna steam your vegetables. Okay, that's good. Fuck you, steamer. Yeah, well, All you a need micro- is a pot. microwave or a microwave filled <laughs> with water. All right, next question. Uh, Andy Cheem Cheem would like to know if you guys have a top-notch vegetarian main, main. for Christmas. Um, what do you got, Chang? I'd say veggie lasagna. Lasagna is a very traditional Italian Christmas thing. 
Is it? Yeah, or maybe it's. Uh, maybe I thought they have the Feast of the Seven Fishes. Seven fishes? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what it's called. The Feast Dun-dun. of the Seven Fishes. Dude, you guys aren't Italian. How do you know? <laughs> well, maybe it's an American, uh, Italian American thing. It could be an Italian American. The same with that corned beef is nothing to yeah, do with I'm, Ireland. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure a lasagna is a, uh, a special occasion uh, meal. Like a winter root vegetable lasagna. Oh. That sounds pretty good, yeah. actually. So a winter root vegetable lasagna. That's a good. That's good. It's it's unctuous. I'm wet. Satisfying. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> Just make sure uh, make sure those winter veggies are are roasted thoroughly before, so so they're not uh, they're, they're not getting all releasing wet. all the water. Yeah, mm-hmm. cook them beforehand. Mm-hmm. Okay, and mm-hmm. then you you put it in the microwave and then you pour water all over it. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Again. All right, Josh. Josh, what Josh? You got? <laughs> uh, no, let's let a real man lay down a window. <laughs> I, I, I would say this, and this is going to get weird because it's got to be vegetarian. But I want like some sort of really hearty uh, veggie stew situation, like a la gumbo, like like some sort of Creole, like deep okay. south spicy, like again roasted, like autumn fall vegetables, winter vegetables, but like in in a stew situation. So a gumbo esque stew. Yeah, why not? Some rice. Yeah. Some Cajun flavors. I, I could get down with some. Maybe Cajun throw flavors. some tofu dogs in there. Tofu instead dogs of, or, or instead of sausage. Tofu ri- soy riso. Soy riso. Some soy yeah soy oh, yeah. riso. I, yeah. I would say has tofu dewey. Has the yeah <laughs> thing. Get a <laughs> no. Get a, get a tofu dewey. <laughs> a, a tofu and dewey. Tofu and, uh, and dewey sounds awesome. And like some kind of. Uh, Vegetable protein shrimp product. Yeah. Uh, well, I, actually, my my uh, my chef did something interesting with sunchokes and uh, I think carrots. He he made a sort of a merguez sausage with them. He, yeah, he ground them. Um, I think ground after they were sunchokes. Yeah, after okay. they had been roasted, ground sunchokes and carrots, um, and added a spice mixture that was you know mergezy, sort of mid- Middle Easterny. Okay. Um, and uh, and he treated it as though it was a a sausage patty, and he uh, he gave it a quick sear on either sides, and and, and it was delicious. That's what was great. The binder. Uh, that's a good question. I the, I think we used eggs, so it's it's vegetarian. It's not vegan. It's not vegan. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but um, there there are lots of <coughs> vegan binders out there that you can work with. Yeah, I I'd imagine. I'm not sure what they are. They, Trapper they, keepers are vegan binders. They, <laughs> no dead animal products. Trapper keepers Trapper might keepers. not be vegan, to be honest. I'm not sure about that. Um, final question: What's the best way to make mashed potatoes? It oh. seems easy, but sometimes you overthink it. Says uh, says Beetle. It's Beetle. It's Beetle. Um, At it's Beetle. My my favorite way to make mashed potatoes is roasting the mashed potatoes instead of boiling them. Hmm. Um, you you end up getting the same mash, but you have a little bit of an underlying roasty toasty flavor, especially if you use the the skins mm-hmm. and uh, use a ricer. Yeah. So roast them, you know, bake them in the oven for an hour, roast them up, rice them, a little cream, a little butter, salt, pepper, mash them up, and they'll be uh, they'll be delicious. Oh yeah. Um. I agree with Jason. I've adopted that since he showed me that. The ricer method? No, um, oh, the roasting, roasting versus uh, boiling. Because I feel like, you know, you lose everything. You can always salt later. Right. Excuse me, listeners at home. I had a, a beer burp. Um, <laughs> uh, I 
I would, uh, I, I, and I'm not going to take credit for this. I stole this from Heston Blumenthal. As I do uh, a lot of things, he's the man. Yeah. But um, you heat up the cream or milk or whatever the you know sort of wet liquid's going to be, and you put the skins in there because apparently that's where most of the potato flavor is. Right. As is most Ooh, things. Like, that's, tomatoes. That's really fancy. Like tomatoes, he he saves the vine, and he's like, you know, when you smell tomatoes, you're smelling the vine. Right. So you know, skins or like the the branches that things are from is sort of where all the aromas come from. Mm. Sure. So he takes the skins, but he, you know, he boils them yeah. really gently, but it's a starch thing for him. And he So uses you kind of steep the cream and butter uh-huh. in potato skins. Exactly, but uh, he uses Great. really small waxy potatoes. I forgot, I don't know the American equivalent, but I think they were called, no, they weren't Maris Pipers. I think Maris Pipers are russets, basically. Uh-huh. But he uses really small starchy potatoes, and he... Starts them in cold water and he slowly brings them up to a boil. And he does, you know, an hour or whatever, which is right. ridiculous. He does that. Mm-hmm. Some crazy and Michelin star chef. Yeah, thing. exactly. Right. And then in the cream, he does skins. And then I've also done like rosemary, garlic, whatever else, smash up and just put in there. Right. Mm-hmm. And then he'll do, he'll do ricer and then force it through a sieve, which is you know French, oh, right. French restaurant. Yeah. <clears throat> and then he'll do thirty, sometimes fifty percent cream in in butter. Oh yeah, to potatoes. Yeah. But then he also does this ridiculous last step, which is he makes these little like lime cubes with like lime juice, uh, like uh, some of the um, rind and agar agar. Uh-huh. And he's like, it's too rich, so you got to cut it through with some <laughs> something acidic. Like, Why don't you just cut so, back on the acid or cream? So, so wait, or he on has the like cream, I mean. little, little gelées or something. Yeah, little yeah. cubes of lime, lime in his yeah. mash. A lime nice. burst you know on what? a mashed potato. That's yeah. un-American. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so sometimes I'll just... Put a little lime juice or, like, you know, I'll grate some really? zest into huh. the milk. Oh, yeah. But, you know, just, you, you can't taste it. It's just, you won't feel like, oh, I had all this butter. So, right. like, like adding a dash of cayenne, you don't get any of yeah. the heat, but it just kind of balances it all yeah, out. Yeah, you're, you know, a little, like, white wine vinegar or rice wine vinegar. Like, mm. sometimes you just throw it in just so you don't. You can brighten things up a yeah. little bit. Also, or when like you're... in pasta sauce, you put in a little bit of baking soda just so you. Just you can't taste it, but it helps you not get like acid reflux, you know? Huh? Yeah. Interesting. But that's, I should tell know, my brother that. But I've only done that. You always get an acid reflux. I only do that. I don't that's, really. That's a true thing. Yes. <laughs> like for me, I don't have the time to rice and then force it through a sieve. So no. I'll you know sending it through a ricer. It's, it's enough. That's, yeah. that's enough. Yeah. So yeah, the, the sieve is what you, is when you're doing super fine. Yeah. Right. I, I I like it a little more rustic. So yeah. Maybe roast yeah. it, but then I'll still steep shit in the milk. Like that's something I've like. That's, that's cool. Fully yeah. take it on, huh? And also when you're when you're roasting the potatoes, put a if you like garlic, put a head of garlic wrapped in foil, a little olive oil, salt and pepper. Put it in the oven while you're doing the the potatoes, and then squeeze out those garlic nubs. Ooh, and then mash those up as well. So a little garlic oil juice situation. Yeah, nice. and you know when when you roast the garlic for a long time, it, the flavor becomes pretty subtle. Mm-hmm. But it's it's you know potatoes and garlic oh. go together very well, obviously. Side note on that, I had really good garlic uh, olive oil mashed potatoes at years ago at uh, ABC Kitchen in New York. Oh yeah, which is like. Deepak Chopra runs it or owns it no, or something. No, no. Uh, oh, he maybe owns it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's weird. Deepak Chopra owns it. And, Deepak um, Chopra. They didn't use any like uh, dairy or butter in it. It was like all olive oil was like that was the fat in there. And then right. they finished with like incredible olive oil on top, and it's really good. It if he's Indian, he was probably sneaking in some ghee though. 
There's mm. definitely some gi in there. That's how they do it. But uh-huh. <laughs> okay, Josh, your turn. Uh, oh, well, ro- roasting preferred method too, but but salt roasting actually. Oh, yeah, to, oh. to make it a little like fancy. Yeah, uh, Sam, girl. Yeah, well, because then you don't have to season. Oh, you've got so, you've got most of the base there. Wait, do you peel and then cover it? No, no, no. Just cover it. So much like a, a you just skin that porous. The skin is that porous. Okay. Yeah, you can salt salt roasting is great for all sorts of rooty vegetables. Great. Yeah, I've never done that before. Yeah, then then you can you can proceed to the rice or. or so whatever. when you when you do that, do you just lay a sheet pan out with a bunch of salt and you put them on top, or do you have to fully submerge them like a salt baked I've, branzine? Perhaps? Yeah, I, I've done I've done it a handful of ways. You could. Because that's a lot of salt to cover some fucking taters. So, so to cut it's back on the salt, it's a commitment. And and let's be honest, like at home, you don't have a you know, you don't have pounds of salt. <clears throat> yeah, you can't just be like, I'm gonna make mashed potatoes. I'm gonna go buy twenty dollars worth yeah, of sea well, salt every with a time. whole box of salt. Like yeah. that's not practical. But um, there are methods where you sort of make a uh, you make a meringue um, with salt in it, oh, a salted sick. meringue. And you could cover everything you're telling me tonight is incredible. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad that I'm blowing your mind with salt meringue because <laughs> it's cool. It, it, like you cover you cover whatever it is that you're baking in salt, and and it forms as a meringue, and you crack it, oh. and then unearth whatever is in it. Meringue isn't like egg whites whipped. Yeah, whipped, Sick. whipped. Interesting. Uh, but but you can you can bake it on top of the salt. I've done it before. It works. Uh, I'm just I I'm not sure about the science behind. Right, it may not, you know, if it's not fully engulfed, might not. Absorb it might not work as well, but I'm sides. sure it'll do something. Sure, yeah, it's gonna be salty. Have you ever baked in any other like like sugar bake? Or is that a thing? A sugar bake? A sugar crust? A sugar crust sounds or good. Anything like that? I think if you bake sugar, possible? it turns into a caramel. Oh right, it, and melt. It, it's a, like salt has a super high melting point, I guess. Uh, 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 or like lo- that's why you can. I don't know if salt can point. melt. Wait, salt or sugar? Salt. Oh, salt. Salt's not gonna melt. <clears throat> no, but that's because it has a way higher yeah, melting point. I mean, yeah. Sugar. If you if you pour it in a volcano, it'll probably melt. But I, I've never seen salt melting. Well, not in a, not in a baking capacity, I don't think. Yeah. But I don't know. Are there yeah, any other salt comes from the crystalline uh, spices or anything that you can bake in like that? Uh, to my knowledge. Uh, well, there's lots of so there's lots of baking in things. There's there's uh, clay baking. Right. There, you can bake in ash. Clay bacon. Okay, I've seen that. Yeah. American Idol. Great yeah. guy. Yeah, uh, I mean like. <laughs> Sorry, that was my Chris Chang joke. No, because I didn't like, say that. Wait. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> it was close. <laughs> um, Moving right along. Yeah. So I've seen ash. I've seen clay. ash and That's clay. Cool. Yeah. Um, those clay bacon, like the American Idol guy. All right, so <laughs> there we go. Here's here's this idea. People will have different kinds of salts, like a uh, smoked salt or mm-hmm. other types of infused salts. I've never infused a salt, but if you make a salt infusion with something that's pairs well with a potato, maybe like a chive or something like that. Sure, yeah. Can you make a chive salt like a sour cream and onion vibe? Oh, that sounds really good. I don't see why not. How do you, how do you make a because like there's smoked salts and other kind right. of types of things. How do you infuse the salt? Maybe you can make uh, chive smoke smoke that salt with chives. Well, you you Why could. Don't you just, <laughs> yeah, when you're like smoking the salt, just have a bunch of chives sitting in there. Uh, 
I think you could burn a bunch of chives. You yeah, have, yeah, that's what I'm chi- Yeah, chivash. Chivash. You mix, you mix that with the salt. Chivash, that's the guy who owns ABC Kitchen? Chivash. The guy who's sneaking in the ghee. They're always sneaking in the ghee. Yeah, people think that ghee is vegan. I learned that one the hard way at a uh, Krishna temple. Uh, yeah, it's definitely clarified. It's true. Animal product. Yeah. yeah, there was there was a there was a vegan Krishna temple in Laguna Beach that I used to go to when I was vegan. For uh, for, for food? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, like when we were vegan, like all my friends were vegan, and we would go because they would have this Krishna temple free vegan hmm. dinner. But in order to get the free dinner, you have to sit through like the Krishna right. spiel for forty-five minutes or whatever, and then we would Not eat all. Worth it. <laughs> eat popcorn. Well, it when, doesn't uh, sound as bad as mass. When you're when you're broke, <laughs> you'll watch some Krishnas for half an hour to get a free meal. But like we would eat all the food and be like, "This is really, this doesn't taste like all the other vegan food." Like, <laughs> it's actually good. And there's just ghee in everything. Yeah, those sons of bitches. It, well, I mean, well, I mean. They must know that ghee comes from a cow. I think that their definition well, they, they of vegan is different. That to be, they don't consider that to be an animal product. It's like a sacred ingredient. You've you've separated the animal fat, the the milk oil. fat from the whatever blah 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 blahs, and it's it's like a s- sustainable oil product, even though it comes from a. Oh, and the, the the milk's coming out anyway. Yeah, it's not like you're. Well, maybe sometimes you're forcing it, but mm. <laughs> but but the milk's there. We've all squeezed a teat before. <laughs> That's utterly ridiculous. <laughs> Speaking of Krishnas, um, Merry Krishna. <laughs> I'm going to do a religious segue. You are no, a Jewish person. I'm a Jew. And we celebrated Hanukkah day one yesterday. Yeah. I'm not Jewish. I said we, but. Oh, well, it's the royal we. It's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all members of the tribe. Not there you. we go. Not you, Chris. I'm um, chosen. Uh, I'm chosen. <laughs> What uh? What does somebody like you of an elevated culinary stance do for for a Jewish Hanukkah holiday season? Uh, I'm I'm such a bad Jew that that I work for the season. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on I, the high I, holy days. On the <laughs> high, I I actually I roll on Shabbos. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm working all the time. Right. 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 All so the time. you, especially at the end of the year. Right. It gets crazy. Yeah, but but you know, like I'm not observing, but maybe I'm eating especially as well, I'm, I'm not. I'm food. not asking so much in terms of what are you doing religiously or spiritually, but I'm, I'm food just, wise. Food wise, yeah, like food wise. How are you turning up the latkes, the briskets, the whatever, yeah, the what have you? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm eating sluttier food. It's it's not necessarily like I'm making latkes, but but maybe everything's cooked in schmaltz. Hmm. It is already anyway because I'm I'm working in a Jew's kitchen, and we had we had a at one point a, an entire shelf dedicated to sh- to schmaltz. Can I borrow some? I was like actually trying to make chicken noodle soup, and I, I didn't have. Uh, no, I'm a, I'm we, a, we were giving course of it away. Yeah, schmaltz yeah. is delicious. It, it might be my favorite fat. It's the best. It, it is. Right? Yeah, it might be my favorite fat as well. I, I, I first learned about it. Like when, to me, like like French fries, like duck fat fries, beef fat fries, it's too much. Yeah, but chicken fat fries is. Mm. There was a there was like a, a rotisserie chicken guy who used to be at the Echo Park Farmers Market. Now he's in South Pasadena uh, with the machine that like the birds over the yeah. There's there's like a there's like a rotisserie 
trailer that he hitches up to the back of his truck, and right. there's like three or four rows of chickens roasting and spinning. And at the bottom where all the fat collects, he just puts like, you know, quartered taters down there and lets oh, them yeah. sit there, and they just get bathed in the chicken fat. Nothing greater. That's clucking. Definitely. Delicious sounding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but at working in a Jewish kitchen, are you are you doing are you doing any forward thinking Jewish dishes? Uh, no, no. I'm sorry. No. The answer is no. No. The answer is no. I'm uh, to be to be a, a bad Jew is is just you know to be a good Jew almost like as a reformed Jew, I'm a reformed Jew. Okay. That's that's a that's the basis for this. I don't. I'm not observant, as they would say. I you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not conservative. Do you eat pork. I eat pork. Do I, th- you eat I think shellfish? that. I eat shellfish. I eat pork and shellfish together. Do you eat meat and milk together. Exo sauce is one of my favorite things in the whole world. Wait, mm. Do you, Do you eat cheeseburgers? I eat cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have separate knives or silverware. Wait, I didn't know that one. Oh, that's, Tell me that one. Like, <laughs> that one, like, that one's Jewish a weird, weirdo orthodox Jew thing. What do you do? You have separate silverware. For? For whatever the hell you're eating. If you're eating fish or you're eating... Oh, you have your fish set, you have your chicken well, set. Well, you've got separate fish sets. Set, so, set. Yeah. You're always keeping Thanks it. Thanks for that. Yeah. Did I tell you... Sorry, side note. Jason, Josh just met me, but... <laughs> did, you, did I ever tell you the one time that I... Met these Orthodox Jewish girls at the three of clubs. I don't. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it wasn't. It's not. It's just a crazy story. But it's, never mind. I'll tell you after. <laughs> now, now I'm sort of curious. Does it? I mean, does it involve schmaltz? No. <laughs> no. Because I could. That could. That could be interesting. Is uh is is schmaltz expensive? Schmaltz, uh, yeah, yeah, render, rend, all sorts of rendered animal fat is, mm-hmm. is, if you're buying it commercially, it's, it's cheaper than duck fat, though, I'm assuming, right? It, yeah, um, it, it should be cheaper than duck fat. Mm-hmm. Um, duck, what's, what's the fattiest part of a chicken? Uh, the fattiest part of the chicken has got to be the skin. Or like the, like, so if I just went and bought chicken skin. If you bought chicken skin and, and cooked it down in, in some existing oil, uh-huh. you would end up with schmaltzy oil. It wouldn't be pure schmaltz because you wouldn't be cooking it in chicken fat but i've actually been um been doing that all week cooking I, down uh, chicken skin i i made like a like a hainan chicken rice oh yeah deal where you like boil chicken with um ginger and green onion and you, and you cook that down and, and i have a bunch of stock from that but you're left with a chicken that's boiled with that's covered in skin that's easily removable right and I just peeled all of that off, and then I've been using that as my fat for whatever I'm doing. That's awesome. For the whole week. So you just put in, you just peel a chunk of fat off of the chicken breast, slap it on the pan, put it on like a low medium. Oh, yeah. Five minutes, you know, flip it over halfway, and you, you're, you, know, you have enough fat in there to do whatever you want. You can fry an egg in it. You can, you know. Whatever, whatever you may want to do. <laughs> that seems extra wrong. So uh, you keep the skins around, and, and then you, you <clears throat> use like a piece of skin as like a quarter tablespoon of butter. Exactly. Okay. And then, really? and then the end product is chicken skin crackling that you. Right. That's obviously. But delicious. maybe you incorporate somehow, or you just eat. Is the is the purest form of yes. then like, let's say I just put a whole chicken in a pot of boiling water, and then. I put it in a refrigerator later and then just peeled that like layer of fat off on top after it's been chilled. Is uh, that just the purest way to get schmaltz? 
I well, I think that the purest way is cooking chicken product in chicken product, like oh. fatty chicken product in in chicken fat, basically. Have you, you ever original... have you ever made chicken confit? I have made chicken confit, like fully, like a chicken cooked in chicken a, fat, a whole chicken, a whole not chi- not a whole chicken, yeah, but like yeah. chicken, like like the way you would make duck duck confit, Absolutely, chicken yeah. chicken legs all the time for fully fat. submerged in duck fat. Oh yeah, and well, cooked down. Yeah, chicken fat in this case. Yeah. So you've done that with a chicken I with have chicken done fat. That, yeah. Mm. For, how do you get for family meal? How do you get patient zero chicken fat though? How do you get patient zero? Well, you, you just buy a tub of schmaltz. Oh, that's how. You, but how do they get that then? The, the, they're cooking it down. You let the Jews they're cooking figure that out. Skins, and then it's ordained by a rabbi, and it turns <clears> into schmaltz. Wait, really? No. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure the chicken fat is like to get pure chicken. You, fat. you can get all. You can get in all different kinds of ways. You boil the chicken, like what I said, and then you remove the skins. You you can cook those down. You have fat rendered, and then you, the the chicken broth that you've made from cooking the chicken whole. Once once you put it in the fridge and the fat solidifies, you scrape that off top. That's chicken fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Okay. Yeah, but if you want to get, if you want to obtain. Quartz and quartz of schmaltz, like ton, tons of schmaltz. You you start with chicken chicken skin. Wow. Yeah, Sick. it's the easiest way. Have you ever worked with turkey schmaltz? Turkey schmaltz, never. I have confit turkey legs and chicken fat, mm. which is delicious. <laughs> she said this like twelve times. Josh, am I here tonight? A- any anything <laughs> in in uh in in fat. And confit, and then you just pick it back up on a flat top or in a pan, and just get it crispy. I've never confit anything. Oh man, there's nothing more beautiful. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I've eaten confit things, but as a home cook, it's not the most practical thing to just have a fucking shitload of whatever fat it is. Not, not very practical. But you can keep it for a long time. Yeah, you can keep on. Keep on feeing. Yeah, absolutely. But one thing I don't like. How do you feel like when when they when people will say, "Confit," because like, (laughs) "Confit" by definition is is something being cooked in its own fat, right? But then there's all these there's like tomato confit and all this shit. Right, it's not cooked in the tomato. How do you? uh, That always bugs me. Right, Uh, it it bothers me. I but I I think that. it just means confit. I guess literally means cooked in its own fat, but mm-hmm. it could be cooked in fat too. I don't stand for it. You don't stand for it at all. I wipe my hands with meh. Yeah. So if well. I sat in my Toyota Camry on a hot day in June and I needed more Freon, <laughs> would I be a Chris confit? Yeah. I mean, if there's a, like a little sesame oil around, maybe just to get it started. <laughs> There's Schwitzen involved for sure. Schmaltz and Schwitz are two different things. <laughs> Although they sound very similar. Cooking in my own fat in my Toyota Camry. When are you not cooking in your own fat? You know I'm not I mean? that sweaty right now. Um, you know, thank God it's getting chilly lately, huh? It, it, is, it is a nice change. Um, <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about pickling. Pickling stuff. I know that pickling is very popular nowadays. And yeah. You probably are. All, all methods of preservation. You probably are cool with that. Yeah. I, I learned what is a lot you pickling lately? Uh, ooh, I, I just pickled uh, some red currants, um, which are little little tart berries. Chris has the biggest boner. Yeah, man. You want me to, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you want top later? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, pickled currants. Pickled currants. Uh, 
We, I don't know. I, I pickled a, I pickled a, a lot of weird things. Uh, rose, um, I rose hips recently. Lots of strange things that I, I, I that, that were hard to sort of come by. Wait, <laughs> when you pickle a rose hip, though, is it like, yeah. in the same like in the same way you would pickle a cucumber? Or sure, yeah, you... whatever. P- pickling that I, I learned a lot like about. Red currants are sweet. Yeah, so but so you, you can make they're sweet, they're tart. You could sort of accentuate that with like more or less. Sugar or like certain types of acid. More of a bread and butter sitch. Yeah, more of a bread and butter sitch. But <laughs> Sorry, can we talk about the Jones on Third Pickles for a while? Those are just awesome. What are they? They're just bread and butter, but they're just, super sweet. Like the brine's like clear. Oh uh, yeah, they're awesome. I I had a problem with bread. Well, and it's but- just sugar water basically. You, you, they're really crispy and they're just sweet. They're crispy and sweet, but but they're uh, but they're pickles. Yeah, because they're, they're pickled technically, yeah. I guess. There are sweet pickles. Sweet pickles are good for certain things, yeah. and I went sweeter on the right currants. They're they're mm-hmm. they're they ended up being delicious. But pickling pickling is really interesting. What would you do with a pickled currant, perhaps? Uh, I I just incorporated it with a fish dish. Um, okay. So tight. It, <laughs> it, well, well, explain exactly what a currant is for our listeners at home who might not know. Okay, uh, a a currant is a, a tart berry. Um, it grows on. Kind of looks like a craisin, like a little baby craisin. Sort of like a baby craisin, <laughs> like a a baby blueberry. Okay. Okay. Uh, and and if it dried, it would be a a a craisin. So a blueberry. Right. Yeah, a blueberry would be a craisin. <laughs> um, What's the flavor like? The flavor is just uh, it's tart and um, sort of uh, I guess. Fresh and tart is the best way to describe it. Like a raspberry. Like all of Chris's bookmarked Stop. websites. <laughs> like my what? Book- your, your bookmarked websites. Oh. <laughs> Gross. Or your Instagram feed, whichever it may be. <laughs> Crazy and Eastern European. Uh, okay. So when, when you pickle them, because mm-hmm. the current is, is the current normally, like, when, you, when you get it, is it like fresh and whole or is it dried it's fresh and whole usually okay. yeah so but when you when you pickle it how does what what happens to you? <laughs> <laughs> what i didn't do anything you're just laughing at me <laughs> i'm allowed to laugh when you pickle it, it laughter it's, it's not, it's not is trans- the best medicine <laughs> does does the current break down like it would a cucumber pickle uh it, it doesn't break down as much because you're not you don't want to you don't want to pour you don't want to cook it in mm. the in the pickling liquid, sometimes you if you're pickling something and it's really, it's sort of tough and it needs to break down. You would actually boil it in the pickling liquid for a little while till it's the desired texture. Mm-hmm. Um, these are so delicate that you just want to pour the the hot the room temp or the hot. Uh, you can pour it over hot. Okay. It's not going to wrinkle them, mm-hmm. but it it is gonna. It's those things are porous enough to accept some of that pickling mm. flavor yeah is there anything that is sort of not porous enough that if you wanted to pickle it you'd have to cook it first you just can't pickle it what's uh, the no, unpickleable that's a, that's a good uh, the unpickleable i don't i'm not <laughs> sure about that i don't know it's just a, yeah i mean i i don't i think that it's all porous yeah yeah because like a like a lemon or something like that like that has a pretty Tough skin, and you can pickle the shit out of that stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you pickle meat, you pickle all oh, yeah, sorts of things. The, preserve it up. Yeah, yeah lemon, preserve lemon. Mm-hmm. Preserve lemon's interesting. Yeah. It is, I like that. Um, Salt packed. I've seen that. I like, I like a dried Persian lemon as well. Have you a ever, dried Persian lemon. Mm-hmm. Persian limes? Oh, yeah. 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 
There's Persian lemons too? Yeah. Per- they got everything in Persia. Persian lemons are sweet. Yeah. It's confusing. They I used are. to think Meyer lemons were the sweetest lemons. They took a the, bite of one and it's just there is extra juicy. Extra juicy but and still, orangey. But still, That's what we got right still here. Still sour. Us, is this a Meyer? Nice. It is a Meyer, yeah. For Sweet. listeners at home, there's a small tub of Meyer lemons in front Speaking of us. Of, yeah, I, I, uh, I found that my neighborhood in LA at Water Village, I've, if you really pay close enough attention, you can do a lot of urban foraging. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which, is a, which is a bad a dirty, phrase, dirty yeah. term. But Your eyebrows uh, <laughs> did most of the talking. There. I can I can walk ten seconds from my door and find a beautiful Meyer lemon tree, and then I could walk five minutes, and there's a a, a wonderful tangerine cutie tree that's super delicious. Go back to Portland, you draft dodger. <laughs> <laughs> there's also some horrible wild fennel growing. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, there is. There is. There is. That's pretty cool. Like, I, you never. That's seen cool, f- but you shouldn't really be picking fennel off the side of the road. Why not? Yeah, but you, you'll you'll find bad results. I've found. Uh, you mean You've like taste wise, or like you're gonna end up in the restroom? No, taste and toughness. Maybe uh, a little restroom yeah, as well. Maybe. maybe you just picked it when it was under or overripe. But but here in California, you can if you go on a lot of hikes. California. Here in California. <laughs> Welcome to California. You, like if you hike, especially chill out. <laughs> if you get to the chopper and travel to the west side of California, Mister Freeze quote. You can. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've been on a lot of hikes in like Santa Monica, Malibu, whatever. Not to brag, mm-hmm. but there's wild fennel. No one's impressed. <laughs> you listen, ladies. There's a lot. There's wild fennel everywhere, and that's the kind of shit that that you can definitely pick. But um, I've I've learned that. Fennel also grows like roadside, yeah, and that can be a little less desirable. Is it just like a weed at that point? It's it's kind of weedy. It's a, it's a little more tough. It's a little more dry, and it's kind of absorbing exhaust fumes, and it's just <laughs> not as great. It's not the desirable growing environment. Mm-hmm. But I, I found the same thing actually over the hill in Echo Park on Echo Park Ave. There's a lot of. Uh, th- that's part of me. That's being my natural interested. segue into how's your urban foraging oh, working man. out for Fantastic. you, buddy? Fantastic! It's great over the hill. So over the hill in Echo Park, yep. which is a neighborhood here in Los Angeles on the east side. Uh huh. What do you what do you what are you pulling on the ground? Well, we're right behind Dodger Stadium. What you plucking? Uh, we're plucking. We're plucking. Forties. Uh, Forties. <laughs> um, roaches and and uh, L.A. dogs. Um, <laughs> We we have wood sorrel, lots of wood sorrel. Really? Yeah, Whoa. it's um, a hot ingredient right now. It is. It's such an exotic thing to have. Yeah, it's very uh, noma esque mm-hmm. and, and uh, lots of nasturtium, um, <sighs> which is another hot one. I don't really fuck with nasturtium no, too much. It's a, it's a. I mean, it's a true weed. It's a true weed. People love it. Mm-hmm. I just don't get it. I don't get the nasturtium, and I don't get. Uh, Fuck, what's the other Ooh, one? The textural one. We asked Kat and she said it's Yeah, what is that one? Texture. It's kind of, it's almost a little cacti-ish. It's huh. a little... It's a fuzzy? No, what is that? Huh. Do you remember? No. If I remember, Shit. I, I would have said something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't think of it because I'm too drunk. I'm, uh, blank, I'm blanking. But it, yeah, it was, it was, it's a hot, it's a hot forageable herb. That I can't think of the name of, but it, it kind of has like a aloe-ish, kind of bitter, 
mm, cacti it's, feel to it. It's okay. crunchy, I think. C- yeah, well, crunchy crunchy sounds like ice plant to me, which is a weird... No, it's not oh, ice not, plant. Not it's, ice it, plant. If I told you the name ice of it, you would crazy. instantly recognize it as like a... You know what? I've had it in... Ugh, I, I've had it in Korean in, like all the time. Yeah. No, it's, it's one of those popular. things like, you know, like... Kale's always sort of been a thing in Italian and like certain Asian right. cuisines, and then like now that it's hot. But yeah, it's like, I, I see it. Like you can, it's, it's it's like a popular hot item in on menus. But I'll see it at the Armenian market for like eight. Oh, oh purslane, purslane, purslane. Pers- yeah, pers- right. yep, yeah, purslane. Uh, stupid ass purslane. <laughs> I hate you. I don't. I think it's fine. I sort of love it. I'm sorry. I'm no, not people. Mad at I, it. Ever, I'm, I seem to be the only one who doesn't fuck uh, with I mean, purslane. I also don't like saying the word out loud. My it mom like it doesn't roll off my tongue. Well, it's, is it? It's. For some, it's purslane, and for others, it's purslane. It's like it's just. And so for Jason, it's who the f cares. I don't know the difference between the two pronunciations that you said. <laughs> it's purslane or it's purslane. Oh, it's, just, it's slightly. Could different. you say it with an Armenian accent now, please? I purslane. can maybe do that. I'd rather not. Not without offending a lot of people. Yeah, the uh, that I, I say purslane and and nasturtium. nasturtium. Two words I hate saying out yeah. loud. Get him out of here! Yeah. I say. Well, there's a, there's a ton of it in the N- N- nasturtium. You also I, say turmeric, which bothers me. Oh, t- I say turmeric. turmeric? Oh, you do? Suck you said head. dick. No, because once I corrected you and you said no one says turmeric. <laughs> That's wrong, and you Suck know it. my turmeric. Wait, so it's tur- turmeric or and turmeric? No, right. turmeric versus turmeric. Oh, turmeric. yeah, it's it's saying it, you're there's an R in front of the the right. U. Tur after the U. after the, after oh, the yeah. U. Tur. <laughs> and there's an R before the M. The I other one's say. a t- sort of T U M thing. There's t- a there, turmeric. It's the the natural flow would be to say turmeric, but it's yeah, actually like turmeric. Yeah, turmeric's more of an Ermagard yeah. thing. <laughs> it's a little bit of an Ermagard thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Moral of the story: Fuck you, nasturtium. It, yeah, not not the greatest, but a lot of fuck it. you, purslane. Isn't nasturtium <laughs> like flowering? Yeah, there, there. It is right. It's pretty common. It, it's a really kind of has flower. like a minty kind of medicinal feel to it. Yeah, uh, like a, a spicy herbaceous minty sort of weird green thing. Herbaceous, mm-hmm. herbaceous. Love that word. Yeah, and the flower is like bright orange and yellow, and it's it's a uh, nice too. And you'll make a little gelée out of it. How yeah. many? How many plants do you think like like poisonous plants like? How many people died to find out, like, oh, nasturtium's chill, and then, like, <laughs> you know, like, poison ivy, we can't, because, you know, Jeremy over there is dead. I don't know if it's a die. <laughs> you can't really die from eating poison ivy. You just get a rash. Like, uh, inside? Inside? I don't know. That's a, yeah. good, that's a good point. Huh. I mean, I, I'm sure maybe, like... A, how many people had to die before they found out? Well, I think good similar question. things, but about, like, um, for instance, sea urchin. Like, who was the first person to see a sea urchin and say, like... I, I bet you it was, like, a beaver. A beaver? Or, like, an otter or something. Yeah, kind that of, makes yeah, sense. Like humans. But, but like, then, hitting it with a rock it, or something. How does a human find out that there's this delicious little thing tucked away in that spiny fuck? That's a whole other podcast, Josh. It is a whole podcast. <laughs> but it, it, it goes back to the how many people died 
to figure something out thing. I feel like if you see something that's so well guarded and right. dangerous and treacherous, must you, be delicious. You feel like something something delicious is that's on the like other side a, of that but wall. In nature, forbidden fruit, forbidden fruit. Yeah. In nature, it's like the brighter. That's why I love eating rhinoceros. Same deal. Delicious. The brighter the like barrier flower means the more poisoned it is usually. Sometimes. But also, blacker the berry, sweeter the juice. <laughs> or uh, older the Friday. chicken, tastier the broth. <laughs> Yes. That's like a weird Mexican saying. What Older the chicken, you, tastier the broth. Uh, I don't think Mexicans say the word tasty. It, well, they don't say tasty. Mas delicioso. De, mas delicioso. delicioso. Or, uh, or sabor or some sort of... Es sabor. <laughs> but es sabor. It, is, it is a Mexican saying uh, amongst dishwashers. That. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen recipes that call for a... Uh, like an old hen. An old rooster, an yeah. old hen, you know. Yeah. Is better. But it, it's generally applied to women, I, I found. Oh. Uh, Really? That's what they're they're sort of like they're they're like yeah the older the female the this is a food pod not is. a misogyny pod. <laughs> um, I've heard some, now we have to have an explicit no but I've heard a French podcast. chef Uh-oh. or no no there was I think it was a French chef at some point that I saw on a television said like oui? like you know this chicken or this pig or whatever is four years old usually they go to market at like like seven or eight months or something right and so like. The meat's more concentrated and free. Yeah, I've heard, heard when you're that. making like a cocovin, you want to have a more <laughs> developed bird. It is, yeah, it is. A, a cock it, with wine? For stewing that hoe? It, it, it is supposed to be tastier that way. I, the meat is not as edible. Mm. Uh, tastier? Uh, immediately, edible. immediately. So like you would have to braise it for a long time. Oh, it's just tougher. It's tougher. Okay. Me- immediately? Yeah, Im- Im- immediately, yes. This is just one podcast. We've had a great podcast today, guys. <laughs> it's been okay. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and wrap things up. Um, I think this is awesome. Thank you so much, Josh. Thanks, Thanks for Josh. having me. Um, where can people... I know that you mentioned... People can find your cooking at the restaurant Rustic Canyon in Santa Monica. I, I cook for the chef at Rustic Canyon in Santa Monica. His name Jeremy, is, I know you're listening. Yeah, Chef... Je- Fox. Oh, oh, God. Chef Mr. Jeremy Fox. Fox. I'm respectful because I was Fox, better. Fox and I follow each other on Insta. Yeah, f- Fox or Foxy. Foxy... Foxy be double tapping. Yeah, Foxy Brown. Double tap everyone. Foxy Brown double tapping. And where can people find you on Instagram to see all of this crazy food that you're cooking up? Uh, all my crazy food can be found at Vicariously Josh mm-hmm. on Instagram. Great. Yeah. Chris uh, Chris Chang, where, where can people find you on the internet at? <laughs> at Ellen DeGeneres. That's pretty at easy. Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> you might recognize me from TV shows such as The Ellen Show. And that's on Twitter and Instagram? I think so. Okay, uh, yeah, I have I have people that do I'll that for me, Jason. <laughs> you can you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at them jeans, and you can go to iTunes where you found this podcast. If you like this show, please give a uh, nice rating and review. That's all we ask. Five stars. Five stars. If you nasty. <laughs> oh. Uh, and thank you so much for doing this, Josh. I appreciate it. Thanks, thank Josh. You. See you guys next week. Love you. Bye. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.